Welcome. Listen to this next Agile Vocalist podcast. I think so. I'm curious about one thing, and this is more for the you know the the novice music audience, and you you might not have an answer to it. Is why is it that we know we know we usually know the name of the band or the singer or the song or or we've heard it before, but why is it that you know writers and composers and arrangers like unless you're a musician that's diving into the into those charts, you just don't know who that person is. So it's, it's not, yeah. uh, it's not just unrecognized women, but it's something about the way that our culture uh, markets and sells music and it, and it goes I way back. I don't know if do you have any insight into that. I, one? No, I, I agree. Do. And I think, um, you know, we're shallow. <laughs> <laughs> we like pop culture. We do. But, but, you know, some of that, I'll say, I mean, it used to be if you got some sheet music, it used to be when we were a sheet music culture before records and gramophones, you always knew who the composers were. Um, right, right. Even if the star who made the song famous was there, it was, the, you know, this was all dictated by, there were, you know, ASCAP was a very powerful union. There were a lot of reasons why, why? Yeah. you know, we knew about the composers. Mm -hmm. But at some point we started, Re, you know, relating to the songs by the most famous person who did it. And I think people always are like that. What gets under my craw these days is if <laughs> you look up a song yeah. that was written by somebody else mm -hmm. and you just go online and they have the lyrics, but they'll say as written by Frank Sinatra or Ella Fitzgerald or Etta James or they, they and you, there actually is some copyright issues there and publishing issues right. that it would be right. it's kind of a shame right. but they do you have to dig around to find those things out yeah like that what, being that yeah. being said i always urge my singing students to find it you know who wrote this song uh-huh right um you know and you start to identify the sound and the phenomenal depth of a certain writer that you just like yeah. really feel yeah um uh, and you can find it's not just the singer, it's the song. It, a well, a great yeah. song is yeah. hard. Um, uh, there's so many things that a great song, I think, needs to mm -hmm. successfully do mm -hmm. um, so that a singer can, you know, really emotionally get mm -hmm. into it. Okay. Yeah, no, and, and as I've dived into, you know, some blues, it's like, None of it's Eric Clapton's and Led Zeppelin stole a whole lot, right? I mean, it's just really kind of shocking. Yeah. And and Aerosmith was was on there too, you know, taking and <laughs> reworking. And it's yeah. just not very original. I mean, it's it's shocking well, when you start to figure out who wrote songs. <laughs> yeah. And there was a lot of, let's be clear, you know, a lot of white appropriation of yes. black music. Yeah. 
Um, and those, those, it's, it's a kind of interesting little side story and I won't bore you people with it, <laughs> wow. but, um, wow. but important. there were a lot of Brit, um, it, a lot British. of those British yeah. bands yeah. <clears throat> kind of rediscovered our blues and roots music because yeah. these two guys, Horst Lippmann and his friend Franz, somebody started bringing them over for this series of jazz concerts um, out of World War II, where they were had been starved, especially in Germany, where it was illegal to have jazz or blues records. So, oh. you know, they they were mm -hmm. so hungry for the music, and they started inviting them, um, having these concerts. And because it was Germany, you know, let me tell you that these concerts were filmed for German TV, and they were in perfect, pristine condition. So. Um, uh, and then later they started bringing in blues artists and they discovered a lot of the blues artists that we in America had forgotten, Muddy Waters and Willie Dixon. And, mm -hmm. and once they started bringing them over, you know, th they filmed all of that. And so these young guys were watching it on TV and on, and went to the concerts all over Europe. And a lot of the, you know, uh, even, I mean, certainly everybody in the Rolling Stones did and um, the animals, you know, Eric, I mean, they were just sitting at the feet of them and they met a lot of these blues artists and some of them were more respectful, but, yeah, but yeah. the white kids who heard these songs just assumed that, that their band, you know, because everybody was listening to the Beatles who were doing a lot of their own songs, Right. Um, and they assumed that all those, uh, you know, when the Rolling Stones did Little Red Rooster, they just, you know, <laughs> they just assumed that they'd written it. To their credit, and it's a great thing, um, the old Shindig TV shows uh -huh. have been posted on YouTube. Uh -huh. And Shindig was an amazing show for its time, like, you know, black and white dancers and really hip black uh -huh. musicians and uh -huh. great artists. And um, and you can find the Rolling Stones inviting Howlin' Wolf to come and perform. And they're sitting there at his feet. And that was a, a very respectful thing to do. Right, you know? right, um, right, right. So they, I think I've seen one of those videos actually. It's, it's, a, great, yeah. it's a great hunt. Um, you want to talk about blues as a woman? And um, right. so I guess you started that in 2018. Is that right? Yeah, that's about right. Okay. While I was doing the Wild Women as Song Show, yeah. you know, and I'm, because I was a literature major in college. I mean, I am kind of a research geek a little bit. And as I'm digging into, especially the Ida Cox, who wrote Wild Women Don't Sing the Blues, you know, and ma rainey and alberta hunter mm -hmm. and i started and which we were talking about in the wild women of song show but i started thinking this is really the story i would love to tell right. i also knew um that i didn't i wasn't going to be i didn't want to do it like the last show where i am the singer i knew i wanted it to be an ensemble piece i knew that i had to have it's really a black woman's story I sing some of the, I sing the Sophie Tucker and Janis Joplin songs and uh, okay. <laughs> you know, a few others, but I, I, 
I wrote the show and created it for all the incredible artists that perform with me. And because I had done Wild Women and I finally understood how hard it is to mount something like that, I actually spent a full year grant writing and uh, I got a lot of beautiful support from a lot of foundations to do it. It's in our very DNA ever since the world began. That's how I know. you then betray you then she'll cover you with grace she's as crucial as the air you breathe just like rain falls to land that's how i know that's how i know Here's the, here's the bald fact. If you're a blues lover, I am. The first image that is going to come into your mind is a guy and his guitar, you know? Right, right. And I love a lot of those guys and their guitars. I'm a big fan. <laughs> but when you really come down to listen to the women and check out where they were and what they added to it, it was the women who put this music on the map. There were so many reasons why that was true. Um, uh, one is because the recording, you know, we started to switch over to have gramophone records, but gramophone records up until that time were still kind of novelties and people like ordinary people wouldn't necessarily have them around in there, you know, in, but you had opera, you had Caruso, you had, Borscht comics, you had, you know, things like that, but you, it wasn't the way you heard music necessarily. And this one guy had this idea because he was seeing that what was tearing up the, the tent shows and the vaudeville acts that were going all the way from the south and these caravans and tents, you know, up to the south were these amazing women blues singers, Sippy right. Wallace and Ma right. Rainey and, right. and Victoria Spivy and, um, I mean, and they had big voices and they really put a song across. And of course, the great Bessie Smith. Yeah. And so uh, this guy, you know, had this wonderful idea and tried to sell it to a whole, but he said, if you put one of those women on a record, you're going to have an entire new audience of record buyers. And finally, somebody took him up on that and they <laughs> issued, you know, their first known blues recording um and it did pretty well and then mm -hmm. suddenly the floodgates had opened i mean just opened when bessie smith recorded alberta hunter's song um uh downhearted blues and i think that was like 1924 she actually came a little late that took him a while to get to her but uh, it sold 780,000 copies in six months, in six months. And 
people were running out to buy gramophones just to hear that because of course right. the amazing right. thing about a blues singer is that you can't get that on the sheet music right. you can't get those moans right. and those slurs and it doesn't translate and the uh -huh. power of the women you know is what suddenly it was blues which we didn't even think about musically suddenly it was what everybody had to have and wanted the latest blues record and it was the women by far who were driving those record sales and internationally you know so women put blues on the map but i will also say that there's a great um angela davis wrote a great yeah. book about feminism and blues lyrics that is really well worth reading ah. but you know the thing was i mean when you think about it these women were coming off the farm and the farm you know if you were a, a, a young black girl in the south you pretty much had two options you were going to live and die on your family's farm or right. you're going to work you know as somebody's maid you know which is yeah. just a, a domestic service you know which is right. you know, just a step up from being a slave or you were going to marry and you know uh live on work on his farm right mm -hmm. it was there were terrible yeah. options and so for a few of these women to join the show to join the caravan and leave and join showbiz this was like you're out you know so if you could sing and dance this was your way out of all of that wow yeah but also so that was part of it you know but also these women who then started you know putting on these fancy clothes and feathers and these caravans would pull into town and it was you know maybe you lived way out in the delta and this was like the big you know when 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 this show came to your town it was like everybody came, you know that you were so excited and you yeah. saw this woman who had on her furs and her you know pretend jewelry and she gets up there and sings a song that reaches into your heart but also is singing about you know i don't have to take it from you anymore and i'm going to leave you these women were singing songs about personal freedom they blues has always been about freedom but yeah. I think that, you know, freedom just to complain, if nothing else. Right. You know, it's no <laughs> surprise that blues really popped into our cultural consciousness after the emancipation. I mean, mm -hmm. suddenly yeah. you could express yourself and you yeah. could wander around from town to town. Yeah. So seeing the power of these women who were themselves, you know, just a year away from you know, being somebody who had absolutely no freedom and no choices, and suddenly uh -huh. they're summoning up this image of a woman that you as a woman in the audience yeah. said, I want to be like that. Right. I want to say, well, you know, uh, I'm going to kick up my heels if you don't treat me right, and I'm going to leave uh -huh. you, and I'm going to, you know, suddenly that was a very different topic yeah. Yeah. than popular songs had been talking about. Women traditionally, the songs pre nineteen fifteen mm -hmm. were about women were sweethearts, right? They were sisters, right? They were right? givers and take yeah. caretakers. And they mothers. were elevated, you know, uh, subjects. And suddenly, here come these women, and they're drinking, and they're smoking, and they're fooling around, and they're right. saying what's good for the 
you know, dander <laughs> is good for the goose, honey. And I, right. I don't have to take that. And it was lib it was hugely liberating. Yeah. And I think it changed all of us. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why the blues so deeply speaks to us um, even now. In the great decade of the 70s when, you know, the ERA was happening and feminism yeah. was happening, yeah. you know, we were listening to Nina Simone and Aretha Franklin. Yes. That's what we were listening to. Yes. Yes. And it was that message. We didn't want Doris Day. No. <laughs> we, right. wanted, we wanted that. That was right? the opening up. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great opening. So that's the story we tell. And we start yeah. out from the very, we tell the story of the blues in general from the very early minstrel shows to uh, the first act ends with the death of Bessie Smith. The second act goes very quickly into, uh -huh. you know, the swing era, you know, like Dinah Washington and then Ruth Brown and then Etta James and then, wow. um, you know, Janis Joplin and then uh, Nina Simone and Aretha uh -huh, Franklin uh -huh, uh -huh. and, you know, Bonnie Raitt finally, you know, yeah. and that's, so we really cover a lot of territory. You know, when it gets down to it, it's a lot of these songs are about freedom. They yeah. just are. So I guess uh, I want to dive in a little bit about teaching and your teaching mm. experiences. And, um, you know, I've been a student of yours and you've had students and they come back and back. Um, what would you say to someone who, you know, everybody says, oh, I can't sing, which we know is garbage, right? And you hear them, you're like, you've got enough to try. Um, what would you say to someone who's thinking about singing, who, you know, is dabbling around and just too fearful to dive into the creative. What would you say to encourage somebody like that? Um, There's nothing to lose or. <laughs> no, I would say that 90% of my students you're describing right here. Oh, oh, okay. Got it. I, and I teach a lot of, I, you know, I call it my four starters class. Yes. Because a lot of people fit that bill. And it actually, I think we need to be heard. I think people long to be heard. And most people, even though they're afraid to sing in public, mm -hmm. sing very loudly in the shower or very loudly in their car, right? <laughs> and, um, and then many students come when they just kind of reach this age in their life where they just say, you know what? I just want to do it and I'm afraid, but I really don't care what anybody thinks about it anymore. Maybe they, you know, had the experience of, you know, your little brother always teased you or your, somebody told you you couldn't sing and so you, you stopped, but it feels good yeah. to let your voice out. Um, I have had a couple of students and I've been teaching for years who really were truly tonally challenged or rhythm mm -hmm. challenged and that's mm -hmm. the harder thing to teach yeah but even them you know i i create a very supportive atmosphere in my class and you know we make it so that you feel more and more confident with what you've got and can bring it out that's so great that's beautiful it. that's yeah. what i say be the best version of you do it yeah, yeah. i mean do it and and it feels good. There's been, you know, so many studies about 
what happens to your brain waves when you're singing or making yeah. music like it's 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 like you know massage from the inside or it's kind of a meditation it, it's uh -huh. really good at calming us interestingly as hard as it is to teach this way uh you know via zoom yes pandemic yes yes my classes have been packed packed I, yeah <laughs> I, I mean you know because i think people more than ever want are longing to be heard because maybe you'll spend the whole day just talking to you and your cat and you know hiding behind a mask and saying hi to some i mean you know right, right? right. so you yeah. need to be heard but um it's been interesting i think it's i think of it as spiritual um so i guess i wanted you want to add something go ahead i do yeah, well please, you please. know obviously acoustically those tiles help a lot um that's right so we all sound a little better. We all sound a, the echo or something. You've, right, you have a little reverb have a going little, on. Right. <laughs> but um, I, oh, I get my greatest ideas in the shower or driving. You oh, know, yeah, driving. it's um, and these days it's actually while I'm on my bike. I actually sing and hum to myself on my bike. Oh, I'm on okay. my bike a lot. Uh -huh. um, I think we have to get into this motion where you're not really thinking and when i say driving it's because i had you know i went to a lot of gigs and had a lot of long distance driving and i would come up with an idea about a song and i would sing it or i'd think about an ending you know yeah sure nobody around it's uninterrupted time it's beautiful yeah All right, so I want to invite you to, as as is my tradition now with with every artist I have as a guest, uh, I'd love to invite you to sing something for us. Um, so yeah, I really, as spotlight. you know, yeah. yeah, I really struggled with this, and I, as I have told you guys, I don't play an instrument. Well, you are an instrument. You play to, yourself, um, and I don't have a piano, but I do. Um, I started thinking about because you were, I knew this subject was for Women's International Day. And since I knew we had been talking so much about women um, and freedom, that I, I recently found this song that I have never recorded. And I think I played for a couple of people in my life Aww. that I wrote in the 70s. And mm -hmm. um, just to, can I give you a tiny bit of backstory about it? Absolutely, you please say it do. If you want. No, please um, do. You know, it was the seventies, and let's just say, you know, social and sexual roles were complicated, and we we're all trying to figure it out. And I think that I was trying to make a statement about these little shades of um, patronism you know, about being in a relationship or, you know, a man is sort of being patronizing, patronizing. Yeah. And, um, uh, but at the same time, I was involved in a radical therapy group. How about that for an early seventies phrase? And the woman who <laughs> ran it used to say, and I, I never forgot this, that every woman should have, she said, you have to have three things. You have to have a couple of friends that you know that no matter what you could show up on their doorstep in the middle of the night 
you have to have $50 saved that's yours, not your husband's, and you have to have something to believe in. And I loved that, you know, and this was really speaking to women who feel trapped or right. I can't free myself from right. a, Mar a bad marriage, whatever. <clears throat> yeah, exactly. sure. Yeah. So, you know, I was a pretty young woman, so I wasn't in any situation like that, but here's what I came up with. Okay, great. Okay. It's called Liberator. <laughs> All right. I took a drive to Mendocino. You said you wanted to be free. I had a taste of something good. But baby, you needed it more than me. I found the buskers by the station and offered up some harmony. I gave a man a coin whose palm was stretched he needed it more than me. What happens to a woman when she's sent away? The road to nowhere isn't paved. At least I've got something I believe in. And I've got Fifty dollars saved. So when you talk about it later and you rewrite this history, don't you dare paint yourself my savior. It was not your job to set me free. And don't call yourself my liberator. You needed it more than me. Oh, that's awesome. What a wonderful story. Thank you. This is my applause. This is how we do applause in the <laughs> digital age. Most people go like this, but I'm just different. I have some oh. beatnik, beatnik in my background. Yeah. <laughs> Clearly. That's awesome. That's so Thank awesome. You. Thank you for sharing that. And what is it? What was it? That's called Liberator, you said. Liberator. Liberator. It, it only <laughs> exists here in this house and now to your, your folks. Any closing, uh, any closing comments you want to make or share anything else? If I'm speaking to people who want to yeah, what, let their voices out, whether as a songwriter or a performer or mm -hmm. just as an amateur singer, yeah. do it. You know, having something we believe in is the thing that warms us all the time. And connecting to things that really spark our joy is so important, especially, hey, the world is crazy. Music is one of the things I think that is keeping the spheres spinning. <laughs> so more music in your yeah. life and create more music, sing, sing loudly, sing out of t tune, I don't care. 
Just do it.